Here's Neymar now. Cavani is there. Balotelli on the turn. Quality. Kalufa Cavano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Tomac. Kylian Mbappe wraps it up. Hello and welcome along. Welcome to Le Bourgeois Podcast. Coming up in uh, this week's pod, Ren run riot as Mbappe sees red, Neymar hits Ed, and we ask, is the Qatari project dead? Arsene Wenger is linked with Lyon, but it's another big name from the past, A.S. Saint-Etienne, that could come back to haunt the Rhone Valley Club. We'll bring you up to speed with the European battle and hear from the Icelandic goalkeeper cutting the ice and the mustard in Dijon as the relegation battle gets tasty. With me in the pod today, we welcome back our, our veteran uh, Ligue 1 enthusiast, the man who's been in France, the Brit in France, the longest, Darren Tulett. Hello. Fantastic start, uh, wow. Matt. Yes, fantastic. I'm, I'm working on Bonjour. it. Bonjour. It's impossible not to bring up mustard when we talk about <laughs> Dijon. Bonjour, Darren. Bonjour as well to Robert Thompson, who is... Uh, the producer of This Is Paris, he's a PSG specialist. And Robbie, at the moment in This Is Paris, we're, we're featuring a lot of youth team football and, and, and women's football. Uh, archive, right? ar- archive footage, Matt, of the great team from the 1990s. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm nursing, I am nursing a bit of a cup hangover headache um, just because, yes, I'm having to defend myself left, right and centre. And I feel it's going to be a long 45 minutes coming up mm. for me here. And uh, also in the pod, one of the, uh, the great rising hopes of, uh, of Ligue 1 punditry, the, uh, the youngster coming through the ranks, doing so well, Armel Tangi. Morning. Not as fresh as you after nine days of holiday. No puns early on from me, but yep, happy yes, to be here. Yes, I, had, I should say I've had nine days out, out of the country, in the uh, British countryside, in the lovely region of, of Devon. There's not so much Ligue 1 news coming through. I did listen to Le Beaujeu that was presented by David Cross and presented very, very well. By David Cross and I'm No one's leader. heard from Dave since, Matt. I don't know what you've done. <laughs> it, was a, it was a good debut, but maybe... Uh... Obviously eliminated him. <laughs> were there any Spiro spottings in Devon that were sent in to the podcast? There was. There uh, was a, only spe- by Matt's a Spiro wife, spotting, I think, but it was, it was decided that the photograph sent in was not suitable for the, uh, for the official League Gun podcast. We'll uh, ask no Twitter. more. <laughs> where, where did he put that Devon cream? Will we ever know? We yeah. are going to move on to the football. This is an interactive pod so you can send photos sightings of me or Robbie or Darren or, or Armel if you spot us in a in a Paris cafe you can send in questions as well to legam podcast at gmail.com lots to talk about we're going to start at the Stade de France for what was one of the best cup finals in years and not just because PSG lost we had a wonderful atmosphere 30,000 Bretons came from uh, Rennes we thought it was going to be the same old story when PSG went 2-0 up through Dani Alves and a fit again Neymar set up one, scored a, a wonderful goal. But Ren hit back a Kimpembe own goal before half-time and then Edson Mesher heading in for 2-2. And then it, there was just so much tension, so much drama. Uh, Mbappe hit the post in extra time. Ben Arthur almost scored a, a, a wonderful winner as well for Ren. But it went to penalties. Ren won it. And uh, guys, first of all, you know, we have to say well done to Rennes. We've seen Strasbourg win the, win the Coupe de la Ligue. Now we've seen Rennes, uh, this, this exciting young team coached by a very, very exciting young manager. And it's their first trophy for, for 48 years. 
That's right, Matt. And, and it shouldn't just be a cursory before we go all out attack on Paris Saint-Germain that yes, Ren, Ren played very well. They did. And to come back from two goals down against Paris Saint-Germain, even if some will say you should never lose a two-goal lead, particularly in a final, which I think is true. Wren stuck to their guns. They do have. They were a little bit shell-shocked, I think, in that opening half an hour before they, they just settled into the game. And from then, I think it's then that we really saw their game plan, which was not allow them any space. That 4-4-2 with the wing-backs. We hardly saw Ismail Assar getting forward. He, he really concentrated on his defensive duties. Bourijo as well. They really looked to contain Paris Saint-Germain. And in the end, they denied them space. They, they fought for everything. They never gave up. And it was all, all the glory of a, of a cup team that is the underdog, that, that knows that they don't have the talent of the favourites opposite them. They're going to give it everything. They're not going to give everything up. They're cheered on by their fans. And in terms of a dramatic cup evening, it was fantastic. And all credit to Ren, really. Yeah, and what a story for the coach, uh, Julien Stéphane, who is the son of Guy Stéphane, who's Didier Deschamps' right-hand man uh, with the France team, has been his right-hand man for a long time. They were also champions of France with with Marseille a few mm. years back, this duo. So Julien Stéphane was very close to actually joining Monaco, if you remember, uh, during this season, because when Thierry Henry was appointed Monaco manager, he wanted Julien mm. Stéphane as his number two. And Rennes refused to release him unless Monaco wanted to pay a, a kind of transfer fee. Thank God, uh, if you're a fan of Rennes, that you put up a little bit of fight because Monaco refused to pay a, a transfer fee. Julien Stéphane took over... Uh, Ren eventually when Lamucci got, got kicked out and he's led them to this fantastic end of the season and winning the cup is, is obviously like a, an amazing thing for them but of course they also had the, the European adventures uh, winning yeah. away to Betis yeah. Sevilla oh, and, are, and these, shining against Arsenal as well. These are really exciting times for, for Ren. I know their, their league form has, has, has tailed off a bit but Julian Stefan is just 38 years of age. He seems to be such a bright young coach. He was born in Ren. He is now a, a Ren legend. You know, he's, this is his first season as a manager but he has done after six months. <laughs> He's well, a Ren legend. There probably was hardly a Ren fan in the stadium that was born last time they they won a trophy back True. in nineteen seventy. No, well, nobody here apart from Darren was born. Um, <laughs> I was in the game. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, Robbie. Robbie was uh, lucky enough to be at the uh, at the Stade de France uh, commentating. Let's let's hear some of the key moments from the Stade de France. Neymar to take this corner, the first of the match for Paris Saint Germain. He looks outside for Danny Alves! Oh, what a goal! Di Maria, oh, what a pass from Di Maria! And Neymar! What a finish! The cross, Kimpembe! It's an own goal! Grenier's ball in, the header, and they're level! Maxair, Ren 2, Paris Saint-Germain 2. Now what's the, oh, it's a red card for Mbappe! Incredible! Kylian Mbappe! Sent off two minutes before the end of extra time. Christopher Nkunku, the Paris Saint-Germain Academy graduate. Oh, he's missed it. Rennes have won the Coupe de France. So, Armel, incredible drama. Rennes are going to be in Europe next season. They've got this progressive young coach. They've got some talented players. We saw Hatem Ben Arfa, of course, uh, turning on... Uh, the magic intermittently, perhaps on, on, on Saturday night, but he's had his moments this, this season. Is this a start of something exciting or is this just a, a one-off for Rennes? Because they, you know, potentially can be the, the giants of, of Western France. It's something that hasn't happened, but they have everything. They have the support, the stadium, the potential's there, isn't it? 
Yes, and it's quite interesting that they have made it into Europe along with Strasbourg, who currently sit 10th and 11th in the league table. Teams like Marseille sweating a bit now because fifth won't qualify for Europe. But back to Rennes anyway. They... Strasbourg and Rennes, two, two cities which do like a sausage. Yes, thank so you. Different yeah. times. <laughs> so I've that in different times. We just need no, to, no, lo- to lose in Europe and then we're... We're having a feast. (laughs) Sausage Sausage tourism. (laughs) So, yeah, it's good times for for Ren supporters, as Robbie mentioned. No trophy for for years and years and years. 48. 48 years. Now back in Europe. They do have exciting young players, also some old heads that have been there, done that. The likes of Clement Grenier, the likes of Hatton Ben Arthur. And they seem to have everything they need to cook up something good over there, including... As Darren mentioned, an exciting young French coach, or they'll be hoping they can sign on for a little longer in the summer. Um, going to Ben Arthur is one of the interesting subplots from that final as well this weekend. Former Paris Saint-Germain player, of course, who was uh, left out from all sporting activity for exactly. over was a, a year. Paris Saint-Germain player without actually being one. Contracted really. to Paris yeah. Saint-Germain, put it that <laughs> he's, way. Yeah, but, he's got a bit of a grudge that perhaps... People can understand, uh, you know, I, I don't know the ins and outs of what, went, of what went on, but he was banished basically for the best part of 18 months, wasn't he, at, uh, at, at Paris Saint-Germain. And we saw when the, uh, the, uh, the winners went up to get their medals and uh, Hatem went to, to high-five Nasser Al-Khalifi, the, the PSG president, and uh, the, the PSG chief wasn't, wasn't up for a high-five with, with, with Hatem. And perhaps, uh, perhaps that, is, that, that is understandable. Can I, can I just say as well, there's no... Uh, truth to the rumours that Francois Pinault has uh, has pledged 100 million euros towards the reconstruction of Paris Saint-Germain. That's <laughs> that's not true. He he is putting the money into Notre Dame. Francois Pinault, who was Rennes' owner, it's now his son in charge, a very wealthy man. And uh, that's a mega rich family. So France's want, richest yeah. man, mm-hmm. isn't he? Behind uh, Madame Betin Betin. Yeah, cool. If they want right. to put more money into the team, they can. They have bucket loads. He also them. said he wondered why he hadn't put more money in before when he yeah. saw into that what Ren, they yeah. were capable yeah. of. But Darren, yeah. um, just, just 100, 100 million. No, but 100 million into PSG's reconstruction probably isn't probably isn't enough, is it? I mean, <laughs> no. But seriously. In France, people are saying this is PSG's worst season in the Qatari era. I know Robbie Thompson is already up in arms. Well, I'm almost saying, ready saying for that's a, ridiculous. To, a spontaneous <laughs> coup No, no, no. no. Let, let's, just, let's just go through it. Yes, they've, they've, they've won the league title. Mm. They've had no rivals really in France this year. But they really did mess up the Coupe de la Ligue uh, against Gangon. They blew a two-goal lead in the Coupe de France final. They blew a two-goal lead against Manchester United yeah, in, Matt, in the this, Champions League. This, this cup final defeat perfectly sums up the PSG season. You, you have a sublime volley to open the scoring. Daniel uh, Alves from a Neymar corner. Absolutely fantastic strike. 1-0. Then a, another beautiful goal uh, from Neymar. They're winning 2-0. They're, they're walking all over their opponents. You can see why, you know, by moment, they are such a fantastic team to watch. You think everything's going their way. They just need to put in a third goal and it's all over, you know. But, of course, they don't. And as you just said, you know, this season we've seen them, you know, two up against Man United, they go out of the Champions League. They're winning against Gangon, they get knocked out of the Coupe de la Ligue, the League Cup. And now they're tuning up against Rent and they still don't win. And, and that is such a fragile thing uh, and underlines the problems that they have at this club. I mean, it's unbelievable that they can be in such a strong situation in, in so many times this season and still uh, find themselves... Uh, with just the one thing, you know, and it's terrible to say just the one thing. I mean, winning the league is obviously the, the main thing uh, every yeah. every season. But like you say, it's their worst season uh, since the Qataris arrived. And obviously, there are going to be questions, you know, asked now at the highest level about the, the manager's role and how long, you know, he can carry on like this with a, with a team 
that isn't functioning. He even said afterwards, you know, he said, yeah, you know, we, we are fragile. And he was talking about it as if he was like an outsider. And I'm like, oh, you've been there a year, you know? Mm. Have you just realized this? Or haven't, you know, have you not been working yeah. on this? I because it, Well, perhaps the coach is realizing the that, that this is a thing that goes back a few goals. years. Yeah, and that it's not just this season that this has happened. And let's not forget, the coach, he's also a young coach, 44 years of age, his first experience outside of Germany with a big club as well. And he's probably learning something from having players like Neymar, Di Maria, Mbappe, these, these global superstars, which he hasn't had before. He's got a great relationship with them, I think, from what I can see. But it's a learning curve for him as well. Paris, that was one of the debates, if you remember last year, when Tuchol was, was chosen. It was like, well, the question is his experience and his, the way he relates to other people in the club. And look, this is a, a, a learning period for him as well. I think he's done remarkably well until that match against Manchester United. And there, he has to learn as well. He's, he's dealing with uh, an entire country that is against his squad, that every newspaper article, everyone doing a pod... Is it fair to say, Robert, he didn't, he didn't do very him. well on, 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 on Saturday night? I have to admit, uh, the, the, the signal in Devon wasn't, wasn't great for the, for the cup <laughs> final. But you know, he, he's been criticised taking Ankel Di Maria off, who was arguably the, the most dangerous player on the pitch. Um, that, yeah, you know, he brought but, on Cavani late at the start of extra time, but is Cavani fully fit? He's only played a few minutes since playing three minutes against Manchester United where, uh, with this tendon problem. We don't know if Cavani was very fit. He didn't look 100% fit. He, didn't, he hardly touched a football in the match. And otherwise, who else does he, he put, have he put, on? Did, I, I thought he put, Parad, he put Paradez on for, for Di Maria and Paradez apparently... Um, didn't do very Just much. Chopped someone down. It was positive. Well, that he was... did a very bad foul. And yeah. yes, yeah. but you don't bring on players just man for man. You do it to change the system because you're struggling. They changed from they changed to a four three three as opposed to their three four three when they had uh, Paredes on the field. So look, you bring on a player, you take off a player to change things to try and tactically change things. It's not is Paredes better than Di Maria. That that that's that's not the debate. It didn't work out for him, but a coach has to make decisions. He has to, mm. to, to try things. One of the problems he is, well, parenthesis, but Paredes has been pretty hopeless since he arrived. And as, a, as an almost £50 million player, mm -hmm. uh, it's a shocking buy. He's done nothing to convince us that he's a decent player. Yeah, and no, there's right, a so, huge pressure from UEFA for financial mm. fair play, and they've just splashed almost £50 mm. million on, a, on a player who doesn't seem to fit in. Or um, but but his, the real problem for the manager is dealing with the superstars, and it's the same at every top club. Mm. Uh, these days... The players have so much power that if you if they if you lose uh, a certain number of the top players, then you're out. And the managers know this. And he's a very clever guy. So he's mm -hmm. been you know the, the arm round Neymar and the, the little jostles here and the cuddles there and everything. He's put people on side. But right now he's in a situation which is really tough for him because uh, Neymar, fortunately, was you know was great on the field. He was he had a really good cup final, even though there were one or two little moments where he might have annoyed us uh, a little <laughs> bit. Um, but Neymar, but Mbappe was dreadful uh, and. You know, you can't bring Mbappe off, apparently, is the message, because when you've got Cavani on the bench... He brings himself uh, off. You know, you, yeah, you know, it seemed to me like this would be a good swap, you know, um, because for once, Mbappe was not looking like he was going to be your hero, uh, and in the end got himself sent off. He was also dreadful off. against Manchester dreadful. United in the second leg. I, I, I don't want to hammer a 20-year-old who scored 30 goals. No, I'm in, just saying that the manager sometimes, you know, is he free to... You know, or is he thinking to himself, oh, I can't take him but, off, I can't take Neymar off. You know? When Neymar's fit, I've got to play him. When he wants to go to Brazil, I have to let him go, you know? I, I wanna, the stars are taking over. I want to join Robbie and just defend Thomas Tuchel for a second. I'm not Paris Saint-Germain's biggest Come fan. Come live on my island, but I can uh, I, I can tune your violin for you. I like him, I like yeah, him a lot, but I think he's got a lot of problems. In Credit to him, because you'd think when you've got that amount of stars in your dressing room, 
getting regularity out of those players and fine-tuning your team to be able to win over 38 games in a season is actually your biggest challenge. He's managed to do that, and he's done that very well. What he now needs to do this summer is to try and turn Paris Saint-Germain from a team that can find consistency, find results on a weekly basis, into a team with a mentality that can down any opponent at any given moment because that's what they're lacking at the moment. It's a mentality to go on and win games I that they're... Well, Paris Saint-Germain were yeah. always considered a cup team, weren't we? When we could never win the league. We only won the league twice before Qatari ownership in, in yeah. and that first title in 2013. 1986 and 1994, but winning all the, the Coupe de France, going well in European Cup competitions, Paris Saint-Germain's a cup team, a cup team, a cup team. Always Saint-Étienne considered the most successful club in French football history because of their 10 league titles. Now yeah. Paris Saint-Germain are winning league titles. And where is this cup team? This one that we love that can... That well, they won the, the cup, cup four years in a row before this year, I mean... Huh? True. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> they have been totally dominant in the in the, in the last five years. And five can, can I say because we we need to cut co- we need to cover the incidents. There were some big incidents. We know that Mbappe got sent off uh, at the end for a dreadful challenge on, on Damien de Silva. It was totally mm. justified. The red card. It's his Absolutely. third red card. He's uh, you know of of his career. He's got to he's got to be careful. He's got to he's got to control himself better. No question. An older player, Neymar also needs to control himself better. Now, the incident that made a lot of headlines when he was walking up to, uh, to get his uh, runners-up medal, um, there was a supporter who confronted him and apparently, well, almost certainly didn't say particularly nice things to him. And you can see from at least two different angles, Neymar pushing his hand or even his fist into the, into the supporter's face. And... Uh, um, Darren, Darren. Yes. I mean, you know, Neymar. It wasn't Neymar me. Can't, it wasn't me. Neymar can't, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't Darren. But in that situation, no, this, would you would you have acted the same? Perhaps? Yeah. Well, f- first of all, yeah, this this guy's a dick. You know, I mean, he's 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 shouting insults at every PSG player and as they come up, it. as they and come filming up, it. and filming it yeah, as, he, as he does waiting it. for a reaction. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, to, as they come up to get their losers' medal. You know. So first of all, you know, nasty piece of work. Um, probably got what he deserved, but. Um, Probably got what he was looking for, what he was hoping yeah, for. Yeah, maybe as well. you know. I, uh, but uh, from the Eric Cantona school of reacting to fans, uh, you might think it's just a you know it's a very light uh, Tame. Kind, of, kind of reaction, tame mm. reaction. But of course, yeah, he shouldn't have done it. And now the thing is, you know, he's just been he's just got a three month a uh, three game ban in the Champions mm. League, Neymar, for insulting the refs after the uh, Man United defeat. He's now risking three, four, maybe five match ban. Uh, from the French league because yeah. you can't lash out at supporters. No, you can't. Whatever, you can't. Whatever but they honestly, say or do. if I'm sitting in a train and somebody starts saying stuff like that to me, you know, I, it, the least you would expect somebody to do is to push push that. Ha- you know, it, it wasn't for me. It wasn't violent. And a lot, man, of, a lot, lot of people have come out in support of Neymar. A lot yeah, of ex-players yeah, don't, saying, "Don't stop. Just walk on by. Yeah, walk on by, like like all the other players did. Just walk on by. Mm. Ignore the, the idiot. You know, yeah. like, you, you don't get. You get. You know, sad to say, but you get paid all those millions to also have to take some shit sometimes, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, to, yeah, get, yeah. to get criticised Absolutely. and shouted at in the stadium. Yeah, that's the world we live in. It's a bit sad to say that. But, you know, you just got to walk on by. And the guy didn't. And once again, you know, that gesture will cost his club. And, there's, there's and a, of course, he won't be punished for it. There's a feeling of entitlement by in that gesture. Exactly. As if he's that's entitled to get away with losing that final yeah. without being criticised. That's why I didn't like it. I can understand it, but I just... I don't think it's I've never lost thing. a penalty shootout in a cup final, but if I had some some guy standing there with his phone saying stuff, I, I, I honestly I don't think I'd take it well. I don't think I'd take it well. But <laughs> take know, Dion Warwick's advice and walk on by. Walk on by. And before Darren starts singing, we're gonna we, we, we're gonna move on to 
my favourite section because I introduced it a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's called the Good Girl. We uh, we get the chance to to have a good rant because on a Monday morning in Paris, when the uh, the sun's not shining, I'm just looking out out of the window. The sun is not shining. We need to let off some steam. So this week we're going to hand it over to Darren. Oh merde! Quelle bande de chèvres! C'est mon coup de gueule. Okay, my good girl, you know, something I want to shout about. Um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Ben Littleton's book on penalties, 12 Yards. Fantastic read. Uh, telling you all about the psychology of taking penalties, talking about organisational uh, part of a penalty shootout. You know, if I hear anybody say a penalty shootout is a lottery, I want to smack them these days. It's obviously something that you prepare for. Don't tell Neymar that. And <laughs> be, a, be an almighty battle. And this is my good girl. I, am, I could not believe what I was seeing when I saw the PSG players getting ready for this penalty shootout. Um, what happened is there's the toss. Marquinhos, as the captain, wins it. And then he did not know what to do. Do I... Oh, should we shoot first? Should we shoot second? He turns around and asks Neymar what to do. This tells me what? They haven't even thought about this. This has not been part of the planning. You're playing a cup final. There's obviously a chance it goes to penalties. You should have organised everything. If we win the toss, this is what we do. This is, these are the people who are going to shoot. This is you know, the order of our penalty takers. They had obviously no planning. 60-40, uh, this, is, this is the percentage, the ratio of the advantage you have if you, if you go first. You have a 60% chance of winning. These are the stats from history of penalty shootouts. So why did he choose to go second? Is it because Neymar said, oh, go, go second, because he knew he was going to be the fifth shooter and therefore hoped to be the hero, the guy who put in the last penalty? I mean, it's, it's, it's possible. Why else would you choose to go second? It's a, it's a, it's a mistake. Are you suggesting Neymar is self-centred? <laughs> As if. But, you know, it, it, it just underlines for me, like, this is a huge club geared for success and they haven't prepared one of what is it like a key moment in this and they brought on Nkunku you know like when when the red card came out for Mbappé 119th minute one minute left they, they drag off Diaby who by the way is a forward he's a forward yeah. he's just come on he's a forward and a great young player they take him off again to put on Nkunku so you think oh Nkunku must be on for the penalty shootout he's not even in the five and when he does shoot, it's number six, and he misses, and the ball's still in and, the galaxy and, somewhere. And it's on the way to, to Mars. <laughs> according to reports, he's joining Ren this summer, or he oh might my. well be joining it's, Ren. It's, you know, seriously, so it's he'll like, be playing Europe next year. This is he a, knows where a, a nightmare. Those sequence. rumors just come out after he missed the penalty no, no, match that he could be signing to Ren. No, 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 a nightmare <laughs> sequence, and I just I couldn't get it. Was, it's certainly for sure. Commentating the match when I saw Marquinhos turn and ask, and and I think I said in the commentary. It's, it's just not a good look. No. It's not a good look. And it's a strange thing to have decided to go second. Because just from pure pure logical point of view, you score first, there's more pressure there on the next player. Who who knows whether if that pressure had been reversed, Christopher Nkunku may have scored his penalty. He's got a very good shot on him. He's a He really is mm -hmm. a, a very technically good player. And I think in terms of bringing him on, maybe you have a little bit more experience, a 24-year-old compared to a 19-year-old in Musa Diaby who maybe they know, the, the staff know him better than us, maybe is not a good penalty taker. I mean, who knows? But whatever, whatever way you turn it, it didn't work out. It's, it's Christopher and Kunku that misses. Ultimately, it's smacks of complacency, Robbie, doesn't it? It but does. If, if yeah. a team doesn't prepare for a penalty shootout, it suggests that they didn't think they'd, they'd, get, they'd get there. That's how it looks, yes. Mm. I'm sure that's not the case. Who'd have thought Paris Saint-Germain fans would be saying that they were missing Thiago Silva in big games? That wasn't the case a couple of years ago, was it? <laughs> No, but these are difficult times. They're difficult times for, for Paris Saint-Germain who are celebrating the league title. But what a bittersweet end to the season it, it has been for Let, Let's wait and see what the atmosphere is going to be like at the Parc des Princes for the next home game. They're playing Nice on Saturday. And I mm. wonder if there's going to be another one of their famous you know, grève d'encouragement, mm. you know, where they go on strike for 20 minutes. The fans you know, refuse to encourage their team. 
I'm very, very interested to see what's going well, to happen. Well, the fan, there's a certain entitlement for for the fans as well who feel that they can't they can't lose a match as well, which is a, a strange way to 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 approach a football match as well, mm. which Par- is a contest. Parenthesis. Um, Ariola was in the goal, of course, for the French Cup final. Didn't save a penalty. Um, okay, you've got Buffon on the no, bench. No PSG goalkeeper has saved a penalty all season. And the goalkeeper issue will come back at the end of the season. Another one to be I, resolved. I, I, I was thinking Buffon. I mean, you know, he, he's such a presence at penalties. Okay, maybe he hasn't <coughs> saved any this year. But I remember Zidane saying in, in 2006 he didn't know how to take that penalty in the final because he had Buffon against him. That's why he did a Penenka that went in off the, in off the crossbar. and. Mm. Yeah, I mean, but Ariola's got a decent penalty record, hasn't he? And he's actually mm. won tournaments for France at youth level with, yeah. with, with yeah, so. a World Cup. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that's, that, there were a lot of issues on Saturday night. Perhaps that, perhaps that isn't the uh, the biggest one. Worth worth pointing out as well. Just before we move on, we'll Ren, get off Paris Ren did take very good penalties. They did. They were good yeah. penalties. They were good penalties. Adam, go on. Then you've got Robbie's last point. I've got a last point on PSG. Go <laughs> no, on. No, you, you go, go for it, Matt. No more okay. points. I, I wanted to say when you were talking about Thomas Tuchel, what, what I find interesting is that he's actually. You all said it. He's actually really popular and he's actually changed, I think, the image of Paris Saint-Germain. He's more open. He's more human, as the uh, the French like to say. I'm not quite sure how we say that in English, but he's got this human side where, you know, you can relate to him much more than Unai Emery. And I think that what is interesting in that is in the past, it was easy to say, oh, Unai Emery, you know, we don't like his communication. We don't like the way, the way he's got his team set up. So now, actually, people are thinking, well... Tuchel seems to be a very bright young coach, a very good man, and they're looking elsewhere for the problems. And I think that is good for Paris Saint-Germain because I think the problems do lie elsewhere. They lie in the, in the general setup of the football club. The fact that Antero Enrique has a very strained relationship by all accounts with, uh, with the manager. The fact the players have had far too much power, have had it far too easy for far too long. That was my, that was my point. So I think it's good that Tuchel is staying on and is popular despite the debacle that we're seeing. Guys, we, we could talk all day about Paris Saint-Germain. I think Hatem Ben Arfa will go on to save humanity. That's why he, he talks so much about humanity. <laughs> Kebab this guy, into time. This guy, I don't know, he's still got so much to give to, to the world. One but, match uh, at a time. Somebody who is trying to save Stade Malherbe-Camp at the moment, <clears throat> that was a good segue, is Roland Corbis, who is, uh, who is, he's come on board a month ago and he's joined up with Fabian Mercadal, the, uh, the coach. So Corbis is like... Um, I don't know. We we it, it, the Harry British Redknapp. equivalent. Yeah, we always say Harry, Harry Redknapp because he's a bit of a wheeler dealer, and you know he's a good uh, he's a good psychologist. Um, he's, well, yeah, he's got uh, Allardyce's <laughs> physique and Redknapp's way with words, shall we say? Yeah, yeah he's, he's got the prison as well. I don't, I'm not sure Harry. That, re- that really yeah. makes him come across as a charming individual. Well, you know, he I I know Roland uh, quite well. Uh, he is exceedingly good company because mm. he's got a million stories to tell you mm. if he told you uh, even like a hundredth of those stories he'd go back to prison so he has to keep a lot of the, those <laughs> things to himself uh, he knows all about you know uh, all the dodgy th- dealings of the tappy era at Marseille when matches were bought and players were were bought and uh, and he was he was there and knows about it shall we say I won't go any further than that because I might get myself in trouble <laughs> but I'll tell you what well. I, I, I might get a lot he, of people he, into he's trouble quite a character. Moment, he's quite I was a character. surprised I was surprised when, when he came in because basically it hasn't been very clear as to who is calling the shots who's picking the team and Fabian Mercadal who has struggled in his first season as a, as a league 1 coach um, for me you know he's been undermined by Roland Corbis coming in and it's been a, a little bit embarrassing but the results are there and Corbis has has overseen many a successful relegation battle and uh, at the weekend Caen got a big big result because they defeated Dijon um, 
by one goal to nil. So Caen have now moved up to 18th, third from bottom, which is uh, it's not a position of safety, but it's a position where you would play a playoff against a team from, from Ligue 2. So at the moment, we've got Gangon who are cut adrift slightly. They're four points uh, behind Dijon, who are, who are 19th. So it's Dijon and Gangon who are going down at the moment. And uh, we had the pleasure of, uh, of speaking to Alex Runarsson, the, uh, the Dijon goalkeeper who is in the thick of the battle. He uh, chatted to our producer, Ian Holyman, about, uh, about what it's like struggling week after week at the bottom of the table. Today it's a very difficult situation because we're we're playing for not only our our futures ourselves but but also for futures of um, of the people who are working for the club and and um, so it's a very different kind of pressure and I think this one is is um, the easiest way to put it is it's not a nice kind of pressure. So Robbie Dijon are, are fighting as well that that disappointing one nil defeat against Caen is a is a setback but they're in contention and Monaco who play Rennes in, in midweek. Not yet out of the woods. They're only three points ahead of Con now. So it's getting a bit tighter. How do you see uh, this, this all playing out? Well, I think Gangon are in all sorts of trouble now. It was just a, a couple of months ago when they had 14 points at the turn of the year that we thought Gangon were so, surely dead and buried. They had this little revival where we thought they could get back into it. The wheels have fallen off again. It's, it's going to be almost impossible. But it's not only the battle for 18th place in that playoff match. I think that, you know, Monaco, Amiens... They're not out of the woods just yet. And Dijon and Caen are both starting to string a few results together. Before that terrible result for Dijon yesterday, they, I think they'd won their last two, hadn't they? Or they'd, had, they'd, they'd just had this mini revival themselves. And I think there's still going to be a few twists and turns left in this one. Monaco's match in hand against Rennes, probably the fact that Rennes won the cup is the best gift that Monaco could have received. In yeah, the last and, couple uh, of days, because Corbis, the party's still going by all yeah, accounts. Yeah, Cor- Cor- Corbis was saying that having the French Cup final before the end of the season throws the end of the season mm. uh, uh, into a strange mm. balance. Because yeah, Rennes have won it now; they've qualified for Europe. They have nothing to play for. We saw uh, we so, saw Paris have won the and, league, and, and as they're well, partying have, uh, non-stop. Yeah. So you know, how are they going to face Strasbourg? Up were thrashed just after winning the Coupe de la Ligue final, so that and effect. were thrashed in all the games leading up to the Coupe de la Ligue final as well, <laughs> as were Rennes. So, look, that's, but that's always the story mm. at the end of the season, isn't it? When yeah. sides have nothing more to play for, you mm. know that you know, it's difficult. Coming back to Gangon, you know, I'm a bit sad for them because I like their, their manager, Jocelyn Gorvenek, who was brought back uh, uh, to replace uh, Comboiré. I like him mainly because he's a Smiths fan. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, that's not that common in France. Uh, Gorvenek's a, a good chap. But yeah, he took over from Comboiré, Antoine Comboiré, the former PSG player and manager. Uh, and Comboiré is, is currently... Uh, looking at a really kind of weird stat, he may be, I don't know if they, I imagine he'd be the first manager to ever take two teams down uh, in the same season. Because he, he started out at Gangon, who are bottom. He's now in charge at Dijon, who are second bottom. Has this ever been done before? There was a fa- fabulous moment, a match I was commentating earlier this season when the Gangon fans were unhappy. And Antoine Combouari, like Laurent Blanc and that generation of players, all mad golfers. They love playing golf. Mm. And there was a huge Gangon banner yeah. in the, the red and black cop there that said... Antoine, like in golf, sometimes you need to change club. <laughs> not bad, not bad. Neil Redfern, does that mean anything to you guys? Yep. Back, yeah, back in the day, he, he used to, any club he joined went down. He, he has this run <laughs> of like, he took Barnsley, Bradford, I can't remember, but there was like five or six clubs. And he, he was, he'd always be their best player, but they'd just go down. Herman like, Horidison, I think, has the record. Herman Horidison. And we'll oh, really? leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. We're moving away. Icelandic. Well, we're there we go. Yeah. Runa, Runa, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, not, not a good look for Comboare at the moment. Lots to talk about still. If we move back to the, uh, 
upper reaches of uh, of the league standings. Leon got back to to winning ways. They've had a very tough uh, tough few weeks, but back to winning ways against uh, Bordeaux. Armel Tangi saw the action for us at the Matmut Atlantic. To Preville, Jimmy Priyan back for Nicola to Preville, and Bordeaux are two one up. What a brilliant goal that was from the Girondin de Bordeaux. Nabil Fekir has won the ball back high up. Unfortunately for Jules Kunde, it's his mistake that leads to Leon's equaliser. But that could be a big goal in OL season. And Dombele slipping as he strikes, but it falls to Dembele. And there is Leon's third. So Armel, um, a big win for Leon, And again, Moussa Dembele, the, uh, the hero, coming on and, and scoring a, a winner. He's the one who got the last-minute winner for Lyon against Saint-Etienne. At the moment, he's, he's looking like a, a key player for them because Lyon are just three points above Saint-Etienne in, in, in the race for Champions League qualification. He really did save the day for Lyon because it was a strange performance from Bruno Genesio's men. The first 15 minutes, they had almost 80% of all the possession. They looked in charge, scored a goal, and then Bordeaux took control of the game. Bordeaux scored twice and... Up until a very strange red card for uh, their centre-back, Jovanovic, who I think insulted a linesman during a VAR review, which is one of the strangest things. I got four games for a similar uh, incident playing uh, here in the local regional divisions for an English insult. No, the thing is, he well. said the F word, and in <laughs> France, that's kind of allowed. It's weird. It's like you hear it on the radio and stuff, because people, you can't they don't really know what it means. Yeah, yeah. You see yeah, it written yeah. in the newspapers, mm. and he said this, and ooh, off, off you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, it was like F, off you go. Yeah. Basically, this, but this, whole, uh, this whole decision was made... When Dembele took his first touch since coming on, he was brought on as a second-half substitute, and his first touches after coming on were one to control and a second to score. But it was ruled off eventually for VAR. During that review, Jovanovic uh, was sent off for a red card. So, OK, it opened up the space for Leon to go in advance, but the addition of Dembele gave them a cutting edge that they didn't have for the rest of the game. He had two chances... Come, after coming on, he put both of them in the back of the net. Only one of them stood. But his, his, the one that did stand, so Leon's third goal, was especially impressive because it was a, a first touch from Nabil Fekir that Fekir didn't manage to pull off, didn't manage to keep under control. So Dembele just went in front, smashed it at goal, into the ground, bounced above the goalkeeper. A real poacher's finish. And he's the club's top scorer across all competitions. And he hasn't even started that many matches over the course of the whole season. You're listening to the dulcet tones of Armel Tangi on Le Beau Jeu podcast. Um, we come out every week. We talk about Ligue 1. Um, it's interactive. You can email us at Ligue 1 podcast at gmail.com. L-I-G-U-E, Ligue 1, the number, um, podcast, podcast at gmail.com. And this is also the podcast which encourages you to stalk us, apparently. Really? Exactly. With you the, you, you the, invited the, people the to take met. photos of us and, and send them in. <laughs> Stalkers. I'm a bit yeah. worried about yeah. that. As long yeah. as they don't. Not doing this again. As long as nobody finds out <laughs> where our secret studio is overlooking the River Seine in, in Robbie Thompson's flat. That, that is important. Darren, I want to ask you because there have been reports that uh, a good about pal of yours. About me? <laughs> a good pal of yours what have I done? Um, is being linked with the Leon job. 
Monsieur Wenger, Indeed. according to L'Equipe newspaper, according to other yeah. reports as well, has been approached by Jean-Michel Aulas, the Lyon president. Yeah, well, it's interesting because Aulas was on BN Sports at the end of the game, having won Bordeaux. You know, he's the, the volubile Lyon president, chairman, I guess you'd say, in England. He's been there forever and he's done a fantastic job, you know, taking a club that was in the second division when he took over some 25 years ago or something. Mm. Hold them up you know, to More, be like 1986, Okay, amazing job that he's done. You know, they got Lyon is you know, perhaps the best run club in France. They have their own stadium, which is rare in in this country. They have the the best, I, I would say, a youth academy. They produce a number of players uh, who are stars, you know, in France and and elsewhere. And he has he said on on Friday night, I, I saw his interview. Uh, he said we're thinking of reorganizing the whole management structure. Uh, and this is, I guess, where the thinking comes in about Arsene Wenger. Uh, would he be as a, a coach or more as a, a director of football? I think it's more the latter. Uh, he would be brought in to, to oversee a rehaul of the club. You know, he's, he's pals, of course, with Gerard Houllier, who's been exactly. one, of the, the, one yeah. of the president's men uh, over the last few years, getting on a bit uh, as well. Um, Wenger was linked to a similar type role at Paris Saint-Germain, wasn't he, last still is year? Being, he still is being linked mm. with uh, Enrique's okay, future. I mean, Arsene would love to, to work for PSG with Thomas Tuchel. Yeah. Okay, they get on well, and I know that he's you know he's totally up for that. Um, but all the time that Enrique is there, that's not going to happen. Mm. And from what we see, from what the, the PSG president keeps saying, uh, you can't imagine that Enrique is going to be kicked out. Who knows? So if that's not going to open up for Wenger, then maybe he'll be interested in, in the Lyon job, even wow. though you know that in France, you know you're going to struggle to do better than PSG every season. Mm. But you know Wenger is. Well, who knows though? I mean, I, is you know, I, I, I'm, so respected. Well, Lyon in France, beat Paris Saint-Germain every year though. In the, mm-hmm. Arsene in Wenger. Match, Listen, so. Arsene Wenger, first and foremost, Arsene Wenger is French. Okay? <laughs> so is Laurent Blanc. France. Yeah, okay. But, so is Genesia. This man, so is Brigitte Bardot. This, <laughs> give her the job now. This could be a long list. list. <laughs> and he's only just French because he's from Strasbourg. But, you know, the, it, France, Ligue 1, needs to be benefiting from the wisdom, the charisma, the experience of this man, I think. That, that's what I think. And, what, you know, whenever I see people talking about Wenger, there's always, you know, on Twitter, people are, oh, oh. He's passed it. Oh, De Leon want to finish fourth. Ha, ha, ha. But listen, this man is, you know, I've, 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 I've had the pleasure of, uh, of meeting him, talking to him. Unfortunately, uh, not as regularly as Darren because Darren has cups of tea with him and stuff. But, you know, he, he is a man who... Is, if you who, see it, take a photo. Who, who is very... <laughs> Send it in. <laughs> no, no, he, he's just got so much to offer to football. And uh, Liga needs people like him. And Laurent Blanc, why not? Yes, Liga needs Laurent Blanc. Liga needs the French... Champions in you know in 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 a foot in a football sense. So here's the answer then. Did you see who was at Lille again this weekend for a second time this season? That. That was yeah. Jose, Jose, Jose seems to be hanging around the Stade Pierre Morois like a bad smell, but a charismatic <laughs> bad smell. Do what you want with that information. Very good, I like that. Somebody, some club, perhaps in need of uh, change. I know their supporters are unhappy. Maybe not all of them, but a lot of supporters at Marseille are unhappy with Rudy Garcia and Marseille had had the chance. It looked like they you know, picked up a bit in terms of their form. And last night they had a big game because they'd uh, their fans had been celebrating PSG's latest failure. That's been their, the highlights of Marseille's season, PSG uh, messing up. But ironically, PSG winning means that fifth place is no longer going to be in Europe next season. You have to finish fourth to be in the Europa League. Yeah, Ren winning the, the cup final, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. winning the cup <laughs> final, and Paris Saint-Germain fans are now supporting Saint-Étienne yeah so at the moment Saint-Étienne are, are, are in fourth place uh, Marseille needed to win at home against Nantes Nantes basically with nothing to play for and Marseille were abysmal last night let's hear 
uh, a little bit from David Crossan, who commentated this game for us. Khalifa Koulibaly working it onto his right foot. It's going to fall for Mutusami. OM nil, non one. Samuel Mutusami. Campos. Good cross. Balotelli 1 1. Oh, chance here. What a stop by Mondonda. Has it crossed the line? Nonta celebrating. He points to his watch, does Johan Amel. And the goal stands. Diego Carlos celebrates. Marseille beaten 2 1 by Nantes. And, uh, you know, it's, it's another setback in what has been a hugely frustrating season at, uh, at OM. The supporters, it seems, have had enough with, with Rudy Garcia. There was one moment of clarity a couple of weeks ago from Florian Tovan in a post-match interview when suddenly he let his guard down and said, look, it's, it's rubbish. It's been rubbish all season. Every season's the same. And why, why bother qualifying for the Champions League? What are we going to do there? And obviously Garcia said, oh, that, that was just, uh, you know, something that, uh, that he said he didn't mean it. But actually, it looks like the Marseille players all think that. That's what it looked like against Nantes. The club is spiralling uh, negatively uh, and has been for the last few weeks. Uh, Rudy Garcia, I can't see how he can survive. Uh, nobody seems to want him to stay. None of the fans you know, are behind him. There are big banners up every game, you know, calling on him to resign for the, the for the club to reorganise. The banners last night were against the people above him, though. Mm -hmm. they, a few months ago, they were against Garcia. Last night were They've against uh, against exactly. the American investors who Absolutely. came in talking about yeah. the Champions Project. Idiots, mm. not a thing to say. Uh, keep it to yourselves until you start doing something on the pitch. Anyway, um, mm. it's all going wrong, and uh, the key players. Uh, have not performed this season. You know, you're talking about Dimitri Payet being very disappointing. Mondonna, the, the goalkeeper. People who won the World Cup with France, mm. you know, have come back mm. and not done a, not had a good season. They signed Balotelli, who did score again uh, last night. He scores in almost yep. every home match. 18-14 he's got um, Marseille. But uh, should have been sent off for, for lashing out. A, yeah, very a, a strange. He stayed on the pitch with VAR in place. Guys, but that's not... We, 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 got an interesting, we got an interesting question from a, a listener, uh, Adam Shirolnik who says, listen, uh, he's a Marseille supporter from New York and he says he wants to ask a question about youth production at, at Marseille. He says, with clubs like Lyon, Rennes and Nice producing production? so mm. many young <laughs> talents and even other clubs finding gems in Ligue 2, Marseille always seem to sign players in the autumn of their careers. Aside from the pressure for quick results, is there a reason for this? Does OM have a youth academy? And if so, uh, do they place much value in it? It's, it, it's a good question. It's yeah. a question that Marseille supporters have been asking a lot in recent times. Yeah, I mean, sadly, you know, that you can count the number of players who've come through their youth academy probably on the fingers of one hand over the, over the last 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. You're talking about Samir Nasri, uh, Flamini, uh, who, who went on to, to good things. Right now, you've got Maxime Lopez, who is a good yeah. player, and Camera. But it's, these are, you know, these are rare, uh, these names. You know? It is and rare, but... It's nothing like PSG or, or, or Lyon uh, for producing future stars there is a big mm. problem but there. Marseille were always the biggest team in the south of France for the biggest team in France as well for, yeah. for a long time everyone wanted to play for them so they didn't have to have to rely on their own youth academy it's a I don't think it's that strange to to see that this thing is something that will take time to put into place Paris Saint-Germain were the same in the north of France <clears throat> they they bought players it's what they did they were a buying club not a producing club not like Olympic Lyonnais, not like Rennes, who are these clubs that have had to rely on bringing players through Sochaux, Metz, yep. other, other clubs. Like Marseille right. were a buying club. That's what they were. They Everyone do. aspired to yeah. playing for them. Totally. So you don't have to bring through. But they do, have, they do have a youth team. And since McCourt came in, it's one of, it's one of the big projects. To mm. They've been signing up uh, deals with, 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 with local clubs. Because in recent years, the big problem is that the Marseille-born kids, because this is a hotbed of football, so much talent coming from Marseille. You know, you go back to what you were talking mm. about in the past. I mean, Zinedine Zidane grew up in Marseille, ended up 
going to Bordeaux's Youth Academy. These days, a lot of them are going to Monaco. They're going to Nice. nice yeah. And uh, it, is, it is definitely something they're working on, but they definitely still need to address this. I but, think it's, mm. it's interesting that our listener uh, mentioned the fact there's, there's pressure on these, on these youngsters. That's perhaps one of the reasons why they're not being given their chance. It is strange when you look at the other teams in Ligue 1 to see that players haven't even been given 20 minutes at the end of games where there have been injuries. Marseille is a team that doesn't seem to give those small opportunities young players that you might just see once or twice and then you'll see on loan in Ligue 2 the next year. I think that pressure of playing at the Velodrome stops not only the player from making that step, but also the club from giving that step in the first place. One club doing well, uh, we haven't mentioned Saint-Etienne, they beat Toulouse 2-0. They also won the Coupe Gombardella this weekend, which is the... Against uh, Toulouse as well. The French, the French Youth Cup <laughs> against Toulouse, a very prestigious uh, trophy. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure in two, three years, we'll be hearing all about these, these Saint-Etienne players. Um, another important event this weekend, we had for the first time in France, uh, in Ligue 1, uh, a female referee, Stephanie Frappard, took charge of Amiens against uh, Strasbourg. It finished nil-nil. By all accounts, Stephanie Frappard did, uh, did a, a faultless job as, you know, uh, I mean, I don't think it was a surprise perhaps to people who've been watching Ligue 2, the second division, she's been uh, refereeing in Ligue 2. There was no, no issues in terms of players questioning her authority or anything because she was a woman. Armel, um, you've, uh, you've seen some of this game. I have to admit that, it, that they didn't show it in Devon. Uh, Amiens against Strasbourg, I was looking for it. Um, Stephanie Frappard, she's going to be one of, the, one of the main referees in the World Cup, the Women's World Cup this summer. She did a good job uh, yesterday. She did. I also think she was given uh, perhaps the calmest game of the season to referee. It was a, a drab nil-nil, which I managed to cut into a a highlights edit of about three chances. So yeah, obviously she was the main emphasis in that game and it's, it's good to see. It's good to see uh, that that opportunity is no longer considered as something abnormal, that she was uh, sent out to do the job that she knows how to do best and she carried it out perfectly, no complaints and in the end, as I say, but, uh, an easy game for her to referee. It was, it was a PR stunt. Um, no, no, let's not beat about the bush. It's, it's a PR thing. Uh, she was, the referees are not allowed to speak after games normally. She was given permission to do so. Um, it's positive discrimination, basically. And I'm not, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, they're saying, you know, we need to, to help women uh, go forward in, in, in football in France. And, and the French League have been working positively uh, in that. And I think it's a great thing. And French they, women's they, football is, is very strong. Lyon, exactly. again, have got to the Champions League final. Yeah. They beat Chelsea. Well, they're the, the best weekend. team in the world. There's yeah. no doubt. Lyon is the best team in the world. Yeah, women, women's football in France is, is blossoming. Uh, and this is another, another step along, along that path. And, and it's not a just very for, good, very good for women's football either, for women in France. It's fantastic to I see think, a, a woman yeah, in, a, in a man's world. Yeah, and France are pioneers in some respects. We saw Corinne Diacre a couple of years ago taking charge of Clermont in, in the second division. And there was loads of publicity. You did very well with them as exactly. well. Exactly. There was loads of publicity. And what I, what I found is actually, yeah, she did really well. And then nobody talked about it. Because it was almost like people were waiting for scandals or she was, or you know, or she would fall flat it. on her face. Yes, and and that I, didn't happen. No, but she was there for two and a half seasons in the end. And I mean, everyone, and, yep. and took them to sixth place in the, in the second division. Fantastic achievement. Now she is the coach of the, the national team as well. Yep. which I've been seeing a lot of recently, and they have some brilliant players. I think the Women's World Cup is going to be a huge success this year in France. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I'm looking forward to the final few weeks of the season. There are still uh, uh, one or two things to be sorted out, <clears throat> Europe and, and relegation in particular. Coming up uh, next weekend, we've got a big one at the top in terms of Champions League qualification, Lyon against Lille. 
Huge relegation game. Gangon against Caen. PSG, Nice, Strasbourg, Marseille. We're now going to go on our, our, our travels. It's time for the Bon Voyage segment. Well, for, for my Bon Voyage this weekend, uh, on Saturday, I won't even be able to get to the Parc des Princes, unfortunately, because my kids are here and I'm... Uh, spe- well, not unfortunately, my kids are here. <laughs> I, I'm spending a lovely you Saturday... start that sentence again. I'm, lo- I, I'm spending a lovely Saturday with the family, which I'm very much looking so forward to. So season's over, as far as you're concerned, Robert. Oh, the violin's no, out not, again. Absolutely not. So Friday night, I will be in Strasbourg. Strasbourg, fantastic city. It has its own little area like Venice as well called Little France which has canals and everything it's a, the old center of town is fantastic and when I was there for the famous interview with Lebo Motiba before the Coupe de la Ligue final which you can also hear on Le Beaujeu podcast I found a lovely little restaurant which does a fantastic choucroute uh, which was I had almost stomachache for the next three days from having eaten so much just couldn't stop eating a lovely sauterne white wine with it as well Lots to do and eat in Strasbourg, apart from sausages, although it did come with about six And also the football team's really good, Robbie, and the atmosphere's really good. It's not just As the food the minute. Well, uh, food is very important for my football Absolutely. travels. Flamencouche. <laughs> Excellent atmosphere. The Flamencouche I had next to the stadium, while uh, heading back out, n- not next to the stadium, next to the train station the next day, was below par. And I would not oh, recommend that. And, yeah, and, uh, I'll and give you that address too, everyone. Yeah, and a little tip of the hat to Mark <laughs> Keller, you know, who's uh, been... Fantastic. For the last few years what food does he make? Sorry. What them up to? <laughs> to let's get to guys. The, let's get Mark Keller on the Beaujeu because uh, he should be. Yeah. He, he has done an incredible mm. job, and we will. Let's try and do that for mm. the next couple of weeks. We'll 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 get Mark Keller. Well, if Robbie's off to Strasbourg, then we can get that sorted out. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys. It's been a pleasure as ever. Um, I'm feeling refreshed after my holiday, but relieved to be back in the uh, in the Beaujeu hot seat. So uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. Send in emails uh, if you if you have any any questions. Uh, Leagueunpodcast at gmail.com and we will see you again very soon from uh, from Darren Tulip, Robbie Thompson, and uh, Armel Tangi and myself Matt Spiro. It is time to say au revoir. Bye bye. Bye bye. Oh, what a goal! Killian Mbappe wraps it up.